mosquitoes.
Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everyone this morning. Welcome to all those tuning in online. And, and in, in case you... worship the Lord this morning, and who needs grace this morning? Anyone? You know, we all need grace, but do you ever feel like you need extra grace? Yeah. There's extra grace today. Um, I remember Pastor Mike, uh, he, he kind of had a revelation, and he shares this, and I think it went into one of his books, but he used to look at life like, if you had a little sin, God had a little bit of grace. So when you had a lot of sin, you, he needed a lot of his grace. But he had just this wonderful picture one day that no matter what happens, God has a mountain of grace. And you just don't ever have to worry about his grace. It's just a mountain. And uh, it's good. And we need it. And some days we feel like we need it more. Amen. So if that's today, uh, we're going to worship this morning. And that's the, the first song we're going to sing is that his grace is enough for me. And if you're, if you're here or tuning in online or even watching this later, his grace is enough for you. There is nothing you can do. Nothing that he can't willingly forgive and cover. I, we've met people, we've felt like it ourselves, where uh, sometimes even people feel like, you know, I know how God has grace for them, but I'm a different story. You know, God's grace is enough for all of us, and so we celebrate and we sing that this morning. And, and uh, so let's, let's invite him into our moment of, of praise and worship. And also pray for ourselves. So, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we invite you into this time. God, individually, we want you to be close. We want to hear from you. We, we need a touch from you. Father, we, uh, we ask that you would help to change our own view about grace, God, that there is grace for me. That your mercy, your love, your grace is personal. And it's enough for everything I've done even though I know my own heart, even though uh, I even know my own um, thoughts and the way I struggle. God, your grace is sufficient. It's more than enough for me. So we praise you, God, and thank you for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. And we'll stand as we worship this morning and lift our hands and just celebrate him.
we're praying for. We believe every single word. Stronger than we've ever been. Standing on His promises, we're gonna see the impossible. We release the supernatural. Stronger than we've ever been, we are standing on His promises. Stronger than we've ever been, we are standing on His promises. Stronger than we've ever been, we are standing on His promises. Yours, amen. 
magnify the sun, Savior of the world, the hope for everyone. Oh, come, magnify the sun, Savior of the world, the hope for someone and say, Jesus is your only hope. Amen. Jesus is your only hope. 
good. Good morning, Journey Church. <laughs> Wait. How's everybody doing this fun Sunday morning? Good. It's good to see you guys. Well, hey, just a couple announcements for you. Um, first one is next Saturday, we are going to be having, oh, my Lanta. <laughs> it got me. <laughs> um, anyways, <laughs> next Saturday here, we're going to be having a memorial for Guy. Um, and so if you guys can come, it'll be at noon here Saturday, correct? And I don't believe there's anything that we need to bring as far as I know. Okay, so 12 o'clock here next Saturday, Memorial for Guy. And then we also have um, Bishop Abel from Kenya, who is one of our missionaries, is here in Big Bear. Right now he's actually, I think, over at Foursquare, giving the word there. But next Sunday he's going to be bringing the word here. So, yeah, we're super excited for that. And we have an amazing opportunity throughout the week, too, for those that may want to um, spend some time with him and uh, feed him. <laughs> um, everybody likes to get fed, right? And so um, if you want to maybe take him out for breakfast, lunch, dinner, we would so appreciate that. It's a great way to serve. And then also just to hear about what's going on over there and, um, yeah, just be one of the hands and feet of God, right? And so if you are interested in doing that, please connect with Pastor Rob, and he will um, get you connected with him so that you can spend some time in fellowship with Bishop Abel. Um, that's pretty much all the announcements that I have, so we just want to continue our time of worship and receive our tithes and offerings and wait for it. <laughs> um, you know, one of the ways or the reasons that we give into our tithes and our offerings is, is an act of trust and trusting in who God is because it's hard sometimes to give that 10%, especially maybe if you're strapped for money and you don't know if you're going to be able to put food on the table this next month or whatever it looks like for you. But we want to trust in the Lord. And I have a verse here. It comes from Psalms 31, verse 14. Let me put this down. It's easier. So it's Psalms 31, 14. It says, but I am trusting you, O Lord, saying you are my God. And the reason we trust him is because of Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for, him, for them. We believe that because God, in, in our giving and in our ties, because he is good. We can trust him because he is good, because he brings everything together for those that believe in him. And when we give into our pockets, we dig in there, and we're like, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out for me, but God, I trust you. Because you are good and you are faithful to your promises that you give to us each and every day. Amen? So as we give into our tithes and our offerings, let's just think of that and remember that we can trust in the God who, who gave everything for us on that cross. So, Lord, we are so grateful for you and the many ways that you bless us in our ind individual lives here at the Journey Church and even into the different missionaries and ministries that we have that we're connected with across the world. Lord, we ask that as we give into the tithe and offering, God, that you would help us to be wise and faithful in how we use those funds. God, that most importantly, you would be glorified in everything that we do, in all the ways that we spend. And we thank you so much for your provision and your blessing. And in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. All right. Well, we want to continue as we're receiving our tithes and offerings. We want to continue in a time of prayer. And so I'm going to ask Mickey to come up and lead us in that. Oh, look, here's my, my sermon from Tuesday. <laughs> um, we're going to spend a little bit of time praying for each other. I don't know about you, but when we're doing worship, isn't it uh, amazing how you're worshiping and worship, it says to lift holy hands to the Lord in Scripture. And doesn't worship turn into a time of prayer? And doesn't prayer turn into a time of worship? Uh, because I, I was listening to a guy today who said this on the radio. He said, Worship is when you forget about yourself and you turn all your attention to God. And I thought, yeah, that's true. Uh, but I think it's more than that. I think it's also when we take our needs and we put them before the Father, recognizing he's the only one who can do anything about them. And so in that, we're recognizing that he moves in our lives and he changes our lives. So we have some prayer needs um, and I'm going to tell you what they are. And you might be sitting there, and you may have a prayer need yourself. And if you need to come forward and get some prayer right now, uh, we'll do that. I know, so I know Scott lost some, uh, someone in their family. Uh, Sue's mom is in the hospital right now. She's 96, and she has been bleeding, and she has uh, lung-related issues going on. And I know Felicia's uh, brother-in-law, Steve, also needs prayer. I know that Charmaine's son, Michael, needs prayer. And a lot of you guys are sitting there thinking, I need prayer too. Well, don't we all need prayer? The last time I went to the doctor, uh, they were looking at my knee. But they looked at my hip to see if my hip needed something done. By the time I got done being at the doctor, they were telling me, well, you only need a, a right knee, right hip replacement, right knee replacement, left knee replacement, left hip replacement. I was like, is that all? You know, um, that's no problem. And they said, oh, yeah, you know, you also have carpal tunnel, so you should have that done as well. I'm like, boy, I'll be bionic by the time they're done. Um, but all of us have issues, don't we? Every one of us. And we all have prayer needs, and God knows what our needs are. And so um, as we're praying, if you need a special prayer on you, you know, none of us have it. We pray for you guys through the week, but none of us have a special in with God more than any of you, right? It's just that some people, uh, you, sometimes you just need someone to lay their hands on you, and touch you when they're praying for you, right? And so, Bobby, why don't you come up here? Bobby is a great prayer. And um, Joe, why don't you come on up? Susan, why don't you come on up? And so this is what, these, you guys just stand here. If anybody, when we're praying, needs prayer, just come on up, and these guys will pray for you, okay? Okay, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. And um, if you have a need, just come on up, and these guys will pray for you. Lord, we thank you um, that we can come to you with things that are beyond ourselves. And, Lord, we pray um, for lots of people that we know who have prayer needs. And 
and we lift up uh, Joe's brother to you. We know that he needs a special touch by you, Lord. So we pray for Joe's brother. Uh, we pray for uh, Felicia's um, brother-in-law, and we just uh, pray for him uh, that you will uh, be with him as he faces the medical problems he has. Lord, we pray for Scott's family. We pray for your comfort to be on his family, Lord, as they've lost someone in their family. Uh, Lord, we pray for Susan's mom as she's laying in that hospital waiting for a room uh, to go to. Uh, we pray that the doctors will have wisdom as they work on her. And Lord, we pray over our body here. We know that there's lots of people here with lots of needs. And Lord, you know what they are. And we just ask that uh, you provide comfort for the people who need comfort. Provide healing physically for those who need a physical touch. And Lord, we just pray uh, for encouragement from your word as Rob comes and brings the word today. We thank you for your goodness and your grace that you extend to us every day. In your name we pray, amen. Okay. Now I'm on. And so I'll tell them again. Something happens when we pray that doesn't happen when we don't. Prayer moves the hand of God. I don't know why. I, I love to be able to be theological and tell you exactly why. I have no idea why the king of the universe, I mean, I have some thoughts, but, but why the king of the universe, creator of all things, said, I'm going to create people and move according to their prayers. I'm going to call them to pray. He knows our need when we pray, but he has chosen to work in concert, in connection with us as we release our faith and, and rely upon him uh, for our needs. And I, I don't totally understand it, but I know that it's true in my own life. And maybe you found yourself in this situation where there's somebody who uh, in your life, it might be, might be a kid, it might be a grandkid, it might be a coworker, uh, an employee or something, that you, maybe you found yourself going, you know what, I always give them what they need before they ask, uh, or, or 
uh, meet them before they actually make the request. I'm going to stop that, and I'm going to make them ask for it. I, I've, I've done that a few times, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait for them to come and ask. And there is some people who have a really hard time asking for anything. That there, there is a great possibility that the percentage of you in here, that's you. It's really hard to ask for something from anybody, including God. I want to encourage you, step out. See, part of the reason, one of the reasons some people have a hard time asking is because they don't want to admit that they can't do it on their own. They don't want to admit that they need help. And that, I fall into that all the time. I mean, I just, I can do it. I can do it. And uh, so going to God is saying, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. You know, you know a group of people who have to be taught this and have learned this through their experience are addicts. Step number one, I have a problem. I can't fix that problem. I need to rely on my higher power. I know who the higher power is. We need to rely. So I want to encourage you, go to the Lord in prayer. When there's a time for prayer, if there's anything in your life that you want prayer for, come forward and receive prayer. I think sometimes we're like, ooh, the front is for big prayers. I don't have a big prayer. I just have a little prayer. Just There's no such thing. Just come to the Lord. Come to be, step out in faith, begin to pray, begin to ask people for, for prayer. One of, the, one of the things that builds our faith, it builds our faith and helps us to understand that God actually cares about everything. Bethany comes for prayer. I love her faith. She, she comes for prayer. She comes for prayer for, for, for just, just about everything. And, and I, I even love it because like, I prayed for her. And then she says, hey, pray for me. So Susan prayed for her. And then she stopped Bobby on the way back to her seat. Pray for me. She wants prayer. We, we just, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's ask one another for prayer. That's a second message. So we're going to receive an offering again um, for that message. <laughs> we're in the book of 1 Corinthians this morning. So two, two young kids, chapter 1. Uh, two young children were playing in the park one Sunday afternoon. And one boy asked the other, why are you dressed up so nicely playing at the park? And the other boy quickly responded, I was in church earlier. And the boy says, me too. Which abomination is your church? <laughs> the picture the world sees of Christianity, sadly, is one with much religious division. Um. We, we have division in, in between Catholics and Protestants. We have a, a division between various Protestants, uh, various evangelicals. Um, we have division between liberal and, and conservative theologically factioned churches. Um, we have division between members of the same church. We have divisions among members of the churches in an area solely because they are in the same geographical area. We have divisions in churches based upon music style. We have divisions in the church based upon um, the methodology at times of the way we preach through the Bible, whether we do expository teaching or we do topical preaching. We have divisions in the church 
even based over which artists do you sing during contemporary worship, if you sing out of this group, this church group, we won't come. A lot of people don't take the problem of, of religious division seriously. I, I, I could add a few more, and I'm going to throw these in here. We're not going to focus on them. But in the last couple of years, we've seen some more divisions come up out of the church and in the church. But we'll, we'll keep even just specifically within the church. Do you wear a mask? Did you get vaccinated? You didn't vote for Trump. You didn't vote for Biden, did you? Are you for this? Are you for gun control or not? Those things have crept into the church, and not just to have a differing opinion, but have caused division. This morning, we want to talk about religious church division, and we want to uh, begin to take the problem of division seriously, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people are just content to keep perpetuating um, the denominational names or the differences, the doctrines that divide so readily. I didn't even talk about the, the doctrines that some churches hold that we will divide over. And of course, there is different beliefs and different uh, leanings in theology and um, doctrine. But we're talking specifically, we're going to continue to talk about this today, about when those things cause division. Division. Um, interesting, in the early church, the problem of religious division was uh, already there, and, but it was not taken lightly. A, lo a lot of people say that in the early churches, um, you know, if we could just go back to the early days when everyone got along and their favorite song was Kumbaya. Do you remember those days? And it was about, you know, 50 A.D., everyone just saying Kumbaya together. The truth is, the church didn't go very long after the resurrection of Christ before people started having divisions in, in, within the churches. Um, so as we go to 1 Corinthians 10, uh, chapter 1, verse 10 this morning, we're going to see this letter from, from Paul to the church in Corinth. Um, a lot of the weeks I will probably bring in a, a one or two extra um, historical points, and I'm going to kind of get us there before, as we're looking for it. Um, so we kind of know some of the parties here. So as we learned, uh, Paul, he spent uh, about a year and a half in Corinth, building the church, preaching the gospel. People got saved. Um, we're going to find out that, um, you know, a number of people got saved, that uh, Paul himself, that people were getting baptized, but Paul didn't do much of the baptizing himself. And so after Paul left, he went to Ephesus next, and, he, and then he went to Jerusalem, and he comes back and he writes this letter from Ephesus about the things that we're, we're learning about. Well, sometime um, in Ephesus... Uh, another man came, and he was from Alexandria of Egypt, um, and his name was Apollos. Now, we'll hear a little bit about Apollos here, and you'll hear about him in other letters. Apollos uh, ran into Aquila and Priscilla, two of the other characters where we've already learned a little bit about. We're going to keep studying them. And it's, the scriptures in Acts say that when Apollos 
met them that they had to further explain the gospel to him. He actually did not know about the, the baptism to be baptized. He only knew about John's baptism. And so they fully explained a little bit more. But Apollos apparently was a very gifted teacher. Um, he was somebody that people liked to listen to. He had a lot of wisdom. Alexandria, Egypt, where he came from, was a place of learning and wisdom and preaching. So he comes right out of that. So he gets to Corinth, and he begins to teach the disciples that have saved, and he taught them more thoroughly the Word of God, the Scriptures say. So Apollos is this uh, great guy, um, loved the Lord, was, was continuing Paul's work, and so he had spent uh, some time in Corinth as well. Um, there was also in Corinth a group of people who lined up with the Apostle Peter. Now, we don't know if Peter ever went to Corinth. Uh, scholars, we don't, we don't know that. He may have done some traveling there. It's not recorded. But because he was one of the apostles, um, one group in the city of Corinth, which was a large city, somewhere between two and 400,000 people, began to line up under Peter's teachings as well. And, um, and then there was another faction that claimed Christ only. But scholars actually believe that it wasn't just these great people who said, no, we're just, we're just followers of Christ. They were actually a little bit uh, divisive themselves in that, and they were lifting up. And so in the book of 1 Corinthians, starting in verse 10, it says this, um, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, and Cephas is Peter, um, or I follow Christ. Then it goes on to say, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. And then he goes on, he says, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know whether I baptized anyone else, which is kind of interesting. Um, it says, Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So he's writing this, talking about the division happening in the church. In this case, and there's actually other divisions too, specifically over the fact that people were following Paul, some people were following Apollos, some people following Cephas, and some people just claiming Christ. The problem wasn't that those were their teachers. The problem was that they were lining up and saying, no, we're better, we go to the Journey Church. No, we're better, we like Pastor Mike Barnes. Oh, no, no, no. The best one is Pastor Mike Fulmer. We have a lot of Mikes in Big Bear, actually, Pastor Mike. Um, I thought about changing my name to Mike. But uh, praise God, the Assemblies of God has a new pastor, and his name is Robert. So uh, I'm gonna, we're going to push for that. All the new pastors that come to Big Bear have to be named Rob. Um, but they were lining themselves up and dividing against others. And so... so in, he gets both a visit from people as well as a letter from the church in Corinth talking about this power. And so there's a problem. And in the words of Paul, um, he says something. He says, I plead with you. I beg with you. 
there's a problem that he's like, listen, guys, you've got to get this right. There should be no divisions. And he goes on to explain it. Um, it it's, it's something that he wants to handle this first. I, I think of the psalm that says, behold, I think it's 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It's good. It's pleasant. This is what we are called to. This is what we should do. This is what we should be about. Now, remember, in the early days of church, there weren't mega churches. There were households. Now, um, they, in, in some of the excavation around Israel, they found that there was places that um, maybe similar to in, in, uh, in Latin America when we lived in Guatemala, they did this. They would have a, a number of people living in, quote, unquote, one house. Like a lot of cousins and extended family would all live in these houses, these little things below, and either in the center or many times on top of these houses that they would build, there would be kind of like apartment complexes. There would be a large meeting area for everyone to get together. Some of these places that they found would hold like 120 people. So actually, when you see sometimes that they were meeting house to house, some of those houses were like 100 people. That was the house church. Well, that, that's us. When we're full, we're 100. Um, and so it would, it would be a group maybe like this that would be meeting in a place, and maybe sometimes 8 or 10 or 15. But in a, in a, even though the gospel was just starting, by 18 months and then beyond that, the church was growing. It was, it was multiplying and doing it rather quickly. So there were multiple places of worship throughout the area, like Big Bear, like any city. And there were houses, church houses, that would meet in somebody else's house. And, and so if we applied that today, and don't get, this isn't my house, okay? This isn't my house. But it, it, it might go like this. To the church that meets in the house of Rob. Or to the church that meets in the house of Mike or Eric. It was, a, it was a group of people that were meeting together in somebody's house, and that house would often have a leader. That's okay. That's absolute, that, that is okay. The problem is that they began to have divisions. So he pleads with them. He begs with them. I appeal to you. And he, and he doesn't just, he appeals to them in the name of Jesus. You know, we, we, we say that a, a lot, or people do. It's, it used to be a phrase at least. You know, um, in the name of God, would you please stop that? You heard that's not exactly a wonderful thing to say. But in the name of God, what, why do we say that to kids or to other people? We are really serious about this. We are invoking something bigger than us. And, and I don't think we should use that expression. I, I don't like that expression myself. But, but there's something, well, Paul's doing it in the right way. I appeal to you, I beg you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's serious about this. And he goes on in, in verse 11 and talks about how it's, it's creating quarrels and contentions among you. The division wasn't just a group here and a group there, but it's causing division, contention. 
Paul is directing this. We want to be aware that we don't want to have contention. It's, it's one thing to be physically divided. It's another thing to be uh, angry and contentious and split apart. Uh, I meet with the, uh, a number of the other pastors on a monthly basis, and it's, it's actually just a fellowship. We have breakfast at Denny's uh, once a month. And a number of the pastors, we just get together. We have a good relationship. We love each other. We're not in competition. Um, it goes on in 12 and 13, and, and it talks about an impression that this division gives. It says, um, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Paulos, I follow Peter, Cephas, I follow Christ. He goes, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? What does it look like to the outside world? when we divide under these things. Like, and I hear it. You know, Christians can't even get along with each other. Why would I want to be part of that? And, and this is what Paul is saying. He's like, Christ is not divided. Our allegiance shouldn't be to some man over Christ. It should be to Christ as we are taught by people that are called to be teachers, people that are called to be preachers, people that are called to be pastors. That is okay to, to hear teaching, but we don't want to, we want to get Christ and, and the teacher way under here, just to, what, there's a teacher, but we're good, that's fine. But it's got to be Christ, not, hey, yeah, we're all Christian, but I think this guy's the best. Um, he took the problem seriously. Paul did. Um, go to, keep your hand there, but go to just a couple chapters over, 1 Corinthians 3. He says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, behaving only in a human ways? For when, some, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Paul just calls that, that's, just, that's a human, human tendency. And we're supposed to be above that. We're supposed to be above that. Um, and it is a very human tendency. We, we do that in every, every arena as people. I mean, it's just amazing. We line up. If I were to say, I'm not going to ask this out loud because we might just get into a brawl. Who's the best football team? Some, you know, you know, you're going to have different opinions, right? If I said, well, who's the um, best uh, quarterback? The, there, there would not be a unanimous, even though there would be a couple of people that would be up on the list, there would be some divisions among that. And some of you, actually, if somebody said the one that you don't think is best, you would start going, hey, let me tell you the statistics. He's made this many passes. He's made this many yards. He's, made this, he's won this many Super Bowls. He's retired this many times. I'm just kidding. Right? It's a human tendency. They're not in the church. It's humanist. It's human to do that, and it can be a lot of fun. 
but it can also be really, really negative and divisive. So when, when we're doing this, we got to remember, you know, that's the flesh. Well, when I eat food, that's also of the flesh. So it's not always bad, but that's this carnal thing. I'm like, I don't, I want to be a spiritual man. I don't want to, and then especially when it causes division, okay? Let's go on. Um, Jesus himself in John chapter 17, and I'm not going to go there, but he's praying to God and he prays his prayers, Lord, let them be one as you and I are one. And he goes to his prayer, he's praying for unity. Jesus prayed for unity among those who would believe in him. We need to submit to this thing that Jesus prayed for, to be one, to be one. He prayed that we would be one as the Father and Jesus are one. There's no division there. We, we need, we, he's praying for us. So we, need, we, we hear it in the words of Paul. We see it in, in the prayers and in the, in the deeds of Jesus. Um, in, in John 17, if you can make, make a note of that, he says, he says the reason why. He says, let them be one as you and I is the, are one, as the Father is in the Son, Son is in the Father. And he says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. As we have unity, it, it allows the world to see something about God, see something about Jesus. Jesus came to break down the dividing walls of hostility. Paul's whole ministry um, was, you know, helping them understand that there is no separation between Jew and Gentile. There was an automatic separation between them. But in Christ, he says, there is no separation. There is no freed. There is no uh, slave. There is no male. There is no female. We are one in Christ. No division. No division. And the world needs to see that. And the world needs to see a, a, a church that's um, not divided. If anyone knows how to turn that thermostat on, you please feel free to turn on the AC because it's getting hot. So... The other thing it says that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Unity lets the world know that God sent Jesus and that God loves the world. There's, there's some amazing examples of unity that I've seen personally in my life um, when I was in Ukraine, I was from the United States of America. Ukraine was, was part of the Soviet bloc at one point. They were communist. They didn't really like the Westerner a whole lot, even in Ukraine. In fact, I, I, I've shared the story. While I was preaching in Ukraine, a former KGB agent came out to kill me. It was wonderful to be in a place that, that outside of Christ, we were divided or had been divided. But in Christ, we were the same. In Christ, such unity. And when the world sees that, they go, what is different about you? You know, one of the things I love about a church is that you have people from other backgrounds, from other cultures, 
And, and, and I kind of joke around with this a little bit. And the, the truth is, outside of Christ, you probably would not get most of us in the same room together. We're different. We come from different backgrounds. We have some people who've come from wealthy backgrounds and some people who came from, you know, less than wealthy backgrounds. Typically in life, those people don't, they don't hang out a whole lot. We have people who've been involved in drugs and, and uh, prison time. And we have people who've, you know, the strongest drug they've ever taken was acetaminophen. But in Christ, those barriers go away and we have this commonality in Christ. It's wonderful. And when the world sees that, people are one to faith. Jesus prayed and really died that we would be one in Him. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. How can we who profess Christ today take the problem of religious division lightly? And, and not everyone does, but, but some, some do, and some even uh, are part of it. And we don't want to be that. We want to grow in Him. We don't want to be giving into the flesh. Anymore. That's Paul's writing to us. Um, we, we hear it in Jesus, we hear it in Paul. So what's the solution? Well, 1 Corinthians 1.10 actually begins to give us uh, the solution, and it's this. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that you there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Um, one of the things that we need to do is speak the same things. We need to speak the same things. Um, that's a lot easier said than done, but I think it's very possible to speak the same things. And it's hard because it says, I, I feel that you all agree. This is not what it's saying. You, you cannot have your own opinion. That you cannot think anything different than what Gary thinks, or what I think, what Mickey thinks. That, that's not what agreement is. We have to figure out what, what it's talking about because that's, that's a cult. That, that is not what I'm talking about. I want, I want to make sure that's, that's clear. That's not what Paul's talking about. So we're going to, have, we're going to talk a little bit about what we agree on. Um, one of the things we need to figure out what we agree on is the basics of faith. The basics, it says, agree, have the same mind, speak the same thing, uh, have the same judgment. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. Now, that, that quote has been ascribed to Augustine. It's been ascribed to Wesley. We don't know who said it. But it's really profound and really simple. When we talk about agreement, we're saying in the essentials, we have to have unity. We, we have to be in agreement on the essentials. In the non-essentials, we have to have liberty and in all things, charity. So this becomes the rub. What is essential and what is not in the church? This is where we're going to have to even back off some of our own beliefs and doctrines 
because we and, and really pray for wisdom to say, God, help me understand what really is essential. The, the people have been we've been doing this for for two thousand years. We've got the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and the Maali Creed, and, and we have so many creeds that we've tried to come up with that that boiled down the basics of our faith to say this is something that we can all agree on. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe that Jesus suffered under the hand of Pontius Pilate. These, these statements begin to come out of, uh, of, of the, the Word of God saying, these are the essential things that we need to believe. Um, we don't subscribe to any specific creed. Um, but I, I find value in the Apostles' Creed, in the Nicene Creed, the idea that we're trying to find the, the, the essential parts of our faith. There is one God. We have it on our website, the things that we believe. These are the important statements. We don't put everything in there, but we believe in one God. We believe that God reveals Himself and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, lived a perfect, sinless life at the hands of Pontius, was crucified. He died. He didn't pass out. He didn't fake it. He died. He rose from the dead three days later. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He sits at the, the right hand of the Father to this day, he is co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. We believe these things. These are, these are absolutes. We believe that unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That good works do not save, do not justify anybody. These are essential. What version of the Bible you read is not. Some people get really dogmatic about that, saying the King James Version is the only version. Poor people who don't speak English, they don't have a Bible. You ever think about that one? Because the moment you translate the King James Version into another language, it's no longer the King James Version. So a huge portion of the world doesn't have a Bible that's good. No. We don't believe that you have to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture or a mid-tribulation rapture or a post-tribulation rapture. You don't have to be premillennialist, post-millennialist, amillennialist. Those things are not essential. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still for today, that God heals, that miracles happen, that people can prophesy, that people can speak in tongues, and some of you don't believe that. Great! I love you. We are in fellowship together. There is no problem. That's not essential. There's a lot of things that aren't essential. In fact, one of the ways that I would say changes what is essential compared to a non-essential when we're talking about Christianity is, is does this belief change your salvation? Does it change your salvation in any way? Not your salvation experience. 
your salvation. You have to believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. The Bible says you have to be born again. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him for that, you shall be saved. These things are essential. A lot of these other things that divide us, they're not essential. We only sing hymns. Wonderful. We don't sing any hymns. Great. You're missing out on something. We need to sing more hymns. We don't sing this year. That's, all, that's, that's just, that's ice cream. If I were to say, what is the best ice cream out there? We would, first of all, some people start saying, you know, brands. Well, Dryers or Briars or Thrifty. I, like, I actually really like Thrifty ice cream. Chocolate Malted Crunch is probably the greatest of all time. Some of you go like, yes, look at that. Guys. See, people are already shaking their heads at me. Right? What church you attend, if the essentials are there, I don't want to just say it's just like ice cream, but there's a part of it that is you are at the church you're at, whether it's here or you attend another church or whoever's at their churches, they're at the church because they feel accepted, warm, comfortable. They like, they like the word. They like the music. They have better snacks. I don't know. But they're there for a reason. But the question is, is it preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? We are evangelical. The gospel is extremely important. In case you guys think, you know, Protestant, evangelical, well, most evangelicals are Protestant. Most Protestants are not necessarily evangelical. Evangelicals simply, we, everything is based upon the gospel of Jesus. And that's what Paul's writing in Corinthians. It's all about the gospel of Jesus. That's the essential. I'm really getting off. I'm going to get back on there. But do you know it doesn't matter if you believe in a pre-tribulation rapture or a rapture at all? I'm going to really freak you out. It doesn't matter what you believe. It only matters what the truth is. There either is a rapture or there isn't. There is either a thousand-year millennial reign that, that, that we interpret one way and other people interpret another, or there isn't. What you believe about it doesn't change what it is. We're just trying to figure out what the Bible is saying in those regards. That's why there's a lot of divisions in that. And when it comes down to it, like, yeah, we'll see. Maybe. I, I think there's a rapture. I read the scripture. I go, man, I think there's a rapture. And some of you go, no way. We'll see. When we get to heaven, a lot of us are going to go, you were right. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you were right. And look, here we are. There's going to be some people in heaven going, I can't believe they're here. <laughs> there, there's, there's a joke. And depending on what denomination you want to walk into, so there's, they're walking through heaven, and, and it's always Peter, and he's showing them everything. And they're like, wow. And all of a sudden, there's a sign that says, shh. And Peter goes, okay. And they walk by. They walk by this really big wall. And they have to use just signs of silence. And they get to the other side, a little bit past it says, you know, you, you can speak freely. And they go, this is awesome, Peter. But what was, what was that wall? He says, oh, that's where, throw in whatever you want. That's where the Baptists are. They think they're the only ones up here. <laughs> you know, throw us up there. The Pentecost, what are you If you believe in Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him, if he is your Lord and he's changing your life, there's going to be fruit. I can't judge you whether you're saved or not, but God can. That is the biggest essential of all. 
So we need to have the same mind. We need to have the same thinking. So when it talks about speaking, have the same speech. That means that when there are things that are dividing, here's what I believe that this is saying about having the same speech. Keep it to yourself. If the other person can't have, for whatever reason, a, a, a disagreement or a, a conversation where you don't agree, have grace. Don't get in a fight. Some people love to argue and they're not, even though they're passionate about it, they don't take it personally. Do you know those people? I don't like them. Because it's really hard for me. It's getting easier. I take, I'm like, I get all worked up. Some people, they just walk into a room and it's like they look for the person like, I'm going to go argue with them. But when they get around another person with the same personality, they have a great time. And then they just, talk, and at the end of it, they're just like, hey, let's go own it. But if you're not, if you're that way, but you're talking with somebody who's not, keep it to yourself. Talk about the things you agree upon. Let's find these things. Isn't Jesus good? Isn't his grace amazing? You know, speak the same things. Let's keep some things to our to ourselves. Um, 1 Peter 4 says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Boy, there'd be a lot of silence if we really obeyed that. We wouldn't be talking about anything ever, hardly. But if you're speaking, let it be like this, the oracles of God. Like, I don't need to say this. You ever do that? Just, just. Let those who teach, preach, do so in accordance with the will of God, the word of God. A lot of people preach opinions rather than the word of God. We need to speak what the Bible says and, and really weigh a lot of things and probably be silent a little bit more in certain areas. Have the same mind. Well, let's agree with Christ. The Philippians 2, 1 through 5, talks about having the same mind that is in Christ. Let's have the same mind together, which is the mind of Christ, that, that God so loved the world He gave His only Son. That Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That God loves everyone. There is sin, and God hates sin. And there's a time that we need to rise up. See, Paul's saying all this, and yet in the book of 1 Corinthians, he's going, don't do this, don't do that. There is a time to exhort, to challenge, to speak truth. I'm not talking about agree with everybody and just let everything happen. In the church, we need to challenge each other and say, listen, you're not living biblically. But not, you're thinking about the rapture and you're a, you're a dodo for it. But, you know, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned for you. Your life is going left. It's going askew. The Bible says that we should live holy lives, and I want to help you do that. We can disagree with people. We can challenge people. We can speak the word. But let's do it with the same mind, which is always about restoration and redemption. Paul said that it's okay to kick somebody out of the church. When's the last time that happened in an American church? It doesn't happen very often probably should uh, at times a little bit more because people come in and they start leading people astray. It needs to be dealt with. Paul was all for that. Hey, what is that? Expel the immoral brother. You go, holy cow. You know, in some churches, like, I mean, a whole bunch of people would leave, right? But what does he say? So that the destruction of his flesh might result in the salvation of his soul. 
Paul was always thinking, this is about God, this is about Christ. We're going to have the same mind as Christ. If we're going to have a division with somebody, it's about restoration, it's about redemption. Everything we say should be about the good for them getting to know God more. The same mind, the same speech, the same judgment. Another, another interpretation is, is, is knowledge. Um, a lot of religious divisions are built of di different standards of authority. We're, we're, we're almost done. A lot of people appeal to majority rule or traditions of, of men. Um, a lot of people, especially today, are basing their judgments according to their feelings. This is rampant out of the church and in the church. We don't base our, our theology, our beliefs, our actions on feelings. Our feelings, are, are, they're, they're so often lead us astray. Who's ever noticed that, that when you're really hungry, your feelings are different than, than after you have eaten food? I mean, like, really different. Who's noticed that sometimes at night, your feelings are different than they are in the morning? We can, we're not led by feelings. The Bible says in Jude that those people, they were like waves crashing up to their shame. They were like clouds without water. It says they were sensual. You know what sensual means? Sense ruled or feelings ruled. We're not ruled by our feelings. We shouldn't be ruled by our feelings. Who's ever been ruled by their feelings? You know, I can put up two hands and a foot. I've been ruled by my feelings. We're not supposed to be. We're supposed to be ruled by the Word of God and by counsel and by help from other people. This is where our judgment comes from. It comes from the Word of God. It, it comes in the, in the apostles. Paul, Paul said himself, he says, my teachings. Now, I'm not going to claim my teachings. They say, Paul's teachings, Peter's teachings, Christ's teachings, the Word of God. That's what has authority. We don't... We don't stray from that. It, our feelings, if it lines up with the Word of God, not manipulates, but lines up is one thing. But, but really what needs to happen is whether you feel it doesn't matter. I, there's an old saying. It's kind of fun. It says, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I, 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 I always like that. And then somebody says, listen, I'm going to shorten it up. God said it. That settles it. It doesn't even matter if you believe it. God said it. Because sometimes we go to the Word and we go, I don't know if I believe that. Well, let's, let's, in context, we've got to understand the context. We've got to settle it. Okay, so how are we going to do some of this? Think the big picture. What is the big picture in divisions? You know, you know I was, I've talked a little bit about how there's sometimes division in Big Bear uh, between the churches. And, um, you know, there is some division within within leadership in the churches. A lot of the time, I've actually seen that, that some of the division isn't really with the pastors, it's with the people in the churches. It's like, I, I belong to a better team than you. I, I've, I've been at a couple of events at other churches with our church, with the family, and I <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'm right there. I don't know if they realize it's me. And they're talking to people in this church, and they're going, you should come to my church. <laughs> like, wow, that's pretty bold. 
I say, you should go to the church that teaches the word, that you get fed, that you have a place to use your spiritual gifts, that, that you are held accountable, all these right things. And it can be in, in, in a lot of churches. Go to that church. There, there's been people who've come up and says, the only thing I like is expository preaching through the Bible. I said, you don't want to come here. I said, we teach from the Bible, but I don't do verse by verse, line by line. That's, uh, very rarely do I do that. So I've said, go to Calvary. There are great verse by verse teachings. And Pastor, I, I, send, I send people where they're going to grow. Goodness gracious. Okay, think of the big picture. Is this helping in the big picture? Think, start with the other uh, thing, start with the end in mind. What's the end? Salvation, eternity. If we start with that, when we start coming back to, is this conversation important? Is this contention, division important? I'm thinking about heaven. Oh, you know what? This thing's going to change heaven. Not for this person or nor for me. It's not important. Now, and and I, I do love, I, I mean, there are times I really like to just uh, have these conversations about what this and that, and I play devil's advocate. Um, I'm getting better. I used to be really just super sensitive. But some of you are like, really? Um, you have these conversations, but, but, but we're paying attention. Is this causing a division? Is this causing contention? We're where I want to think the end in mind. I want to think the big picture. God is God. Jesus Christ came to save me. He loves that person as much as me. He loves the other pastors. He loves the other people in the churches. There's people. He loves the people in the churches that don't even have Christian pastors. And he loves the, non, the, the pastor who says he's a Christian who's not even saved. He loves them. He wants them to be saved. Let's have love. Think with the big picture. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, coming down. I can see the word conclusion at the end of my paper here. We're getting close. <laughs> see, we start late, so I, I go over now. Really, I, we about start at, at 9.45, so we should say 9.45 to 11.15. Ephesians 4, 4. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So when you're going big picture, end in mind, ask yourself this. Does this thing that I'm talking about, this idea, this thing that's happening right now, does it line up with the nature and the character of Christ? And if it doesn't, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Dismiss it. In the church, we should not be surprised when people don't speak the same thing. They don't have the same mind. You don't have the same judgment. That, that happens, but we need to expect it's going to take some time for people to develop the mind of Christ. It, we should expect that it's going to require patience and love to give each other time to grow. As, as maybe even after this message, you'll be in a conversation and and some, you start seeing this happen, maybe division happen. Don't just say, dude, you're a jerk. Stop it. Have some grace. 
say, hey, let's, let's talk about things that bring unity and, and life. Let's, let's not cause any more division. Do you know if, if we would have been uh, united more in the church, this country would not be where it's at today? We've divided so far that we're barely an influence in culture. Numerically, we still could be, but we're divided so separated that we're, that we're, we're losing any influence in the world. We'll be hearing from Bishop Abel next week from Kenya. We had a conversation with him this week, and he's like, you guys have to get this together, basically is what he was saying. You guys have to get this thing together. Because if, if it doesn't get right here, and he's talking about some of the politics and some of the horrible things, ungodly, immoral things that are happening in the world, he says, if this, if this keeps going like this, it's going to affect our country, and we're going to fall too. When there's a problem of religious division, when it exists, we should not be simply content with it. But let's, let's be fervent like Paul. Let's strive to, to overcome it. Strive to be people who don't engage in it, which is, which is difficult at times. Let's, let's not be swayed. Let's encourage one another. Hey, I, this doesn't feel like it's really building up the body of Christ. Uh, let's, let's pray with that. Father, we thank you for the words in, in 1 Corinthians. God, we are so far from perfect. As, as we travel through and we get we encouraged, we get exhorted, as I get exhorted, Father, help me to, to live according to your word. But, Father, I can't do that on my own, so fill us with your Holy Spirit. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Can't do everything. But, God, in you, you can help us. In you, we can overcome these tendencies to be di divisive. We can speak the truth, but we can speak it in love. We can lift the name of Jesus up in situations. We can have love in our disagreements. God, the world is pretty much saying we can't disagree. You say, no, we can disagree. But let's do it in, in love, in mercy, in grace, in kindness. Speaking the oracles of God as we speak. Guard our hearts. Fill us with your spirit. God, I thank you for this amazing group of people here who want to serve you and want to grow. Continue us in the path down in the journey of this, this crazy life that we're living on earth. Bring us all home safely to the promised land. God, this week, recall to our minds those who need prayer. We lift them up again quickly in our thoughts and our prayers that you would be with those who've lost children two in this congregation who are connected to, those, to, to two children's death this week, God. Those who've lost a spouse, two, just in recent times, God. Those who are, are having issues and difficulties with their kids, finances, health. God, we pray for miracles about all of it. Hallelujah. If anyone needs prayer for anything, please come forward and we'll have some Leaders here at the front to pray for you about anything you have. God bless you all. Love one another. There is a leader meeting next door in just a few minutes. So say your hellos and goodbyes and we'll go. How about 1130? 11 minutes.
and we'll keep to a half hour. God bless you.